Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. The coronavirus is in the news. As far as the number of... Infections, we're eyeballing it. We're kind of waiting to declare victory. It's kind of a weird thing to say out loud, but that's where we're at. We're waiting to declare victory on a virus. China's National Health Commission reported today that 1,749 new confirmed cases of coronavirus were added. That's the lowest daily increase since the end of January. The number of new cases in mainland China has fallen to under 2,000 daily for the past two days, given investors and, I guess, world watchers hope that the outbreak might have slowed down. In some of China's manufacturing hubs, local governments are starting to loosen restrictions on traveling and allowing work to resume. China's also vowed to step up measures to support its economy during the outbreak. Um, that's a big one. Gold has been a big winner as the coronavirus has lingered. Maybe two weeks ago, you're like, we're all going to die. Let's sell our stocks and go to gold. And maybe a week ago, you're like, maybe this is going to last a little bit longer than I thought I should sell some stocks and go to gold. Now you're like, hmm, I don't want a big surprise on the weekend. Maybe I'll sell some stocks and go to gold. Seems like there's plenty of liquidity in the market, though, because the market's really not selling off that big. Um We had the Federal Reserve come out yesterday and said, you know, looking at world economic conditions, we're good. We're not going to raise interest rates. We're not going to lower interest rates. But the 10-year Treasury is like, lower, lower, because the amount of money floating into the 10-year Treasury is pushing that yield lower and lower and telling you that people are afraid. If you're willing to take 1.5% for the next 10 years, you have pretty low expectations for the stock market. That's the simple way of looking at it. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. And a big day for Bitcoin or digital currencies. And Bitcoin is a digital currency. Sweden's Riksbank. They've begun testing an e-crota, taking the country a step closer to a digital currency. The e-crota eventually comes into circulation is the idea what will happen. It'll simulate everyday banking activities such as payments, deposits, withdrawals, and it could be a digital wallet tied towards a mobile phone app. So in January of this year, Britain, uh, Japan, the European zone, Switzerland joined forces to access the case of uh, how do we go forward with digital currency or digital forms of money? So making payments in e will be as easy as sending a text 
Sweden is the least cash-dependent country in the world, making it a litmus test for how central banks can react to people using less of the money they print. There's a lot of questions. When you have the government issuing the currency and they decide something you're doing is illegal, and maybe it is illegal, maybe it's not. Wow, they could erase your, your money. That's powerful way to fight crime. It also seems like a power to give the government, but let's be careful on how many powers we give said governments. So debates happened last night. We're moving closer to the election season. That's still on the table for 2020 as, as an issue. Things that can upset the market. Virgin Galactic shares jump another 10% as space tourism stock tops 40 bucks a share. Um, Elon Musk of Tesla wants to go to the moon or Mars. Jeff Bezos wants to launch satellites so that he could give the world internet. Virgin Galactic is big on the idea of let's do daily trips to space. Let's monetize space of which have you seen any space movie recently? Any of them. They're all, they all seem to be afraid of commoditizing the moon of putting Disney on the moon. Oh, you know, uh, Eisner at Disney just went, that's a great idea. We should put a theme park on the moon. And then we could have like Mickey moon, Mickey astronaut, Mickey. And I, I guess you could probably say the rides would write themselves, you know, but yeah, Virgin Galactic doing very well because of that. Stamps.com jumps 50%. What's up with that? A year ago, the stock dropped 50% in one day. A year later, the stock's up 50% in one day. That's pretty volatile. Obviously, you could have made a lot of money fast. You could have lost a lot of money fast. Um, I don't trust stock moves that are that, that crazy. They just don't feel right to me. Stamps.com, it's like almost like you wake up one day and you're like, wow. My fat, dumpy, lazy, do-nothing husband is suddenly Brad Pitt, and he's like pulling weeds out of the out of the uh, garden. Like, nah, it doesn't quite work like that usually. Um, so, stocks.com, stamps.com said at one point in time it was discontinuing its partnership with the United States Postal Service last year. The stock crashed fifty percent. Um, now they announced a partnership with UPS, and the stock has a nice rebound. Stamps.com has issued better-than-expected earnings guidance for fiscal 2020. The company expects full-year earnings to be between $4 and $5 a share, with most analysts typically looking at it right now around three twenty dollars a share. So that's a big earnings jump. When you're talking 30% jump in earnings, you can see why the stock's up 50% today. Now, again, having a partnership with the UPS, eh, you've heard the commercials for Stamps.com. Now they're going to have to repurpose that to make it commercials with UPS, which it's fine. I, I think it goes to show you again, you could basically buy anything. I don't know if that's a fair statement or not, but uh, you could basically buy anything. 5G and the current infrastructure. We're going to be talking about this a lot in the coming weeks and months. Um, 5G for phones, 5G for infrastructure, 5G for network equipment, 
5G for the service providers, 5G will be a big financial opportunity as it slowly rolls out. Again, speaking of you can invest in anything, you can invest in Domino's Pizza. Domino's Pizza has a big battle going on with the Grubhubs and the DoorDashes. Domino's used to hire their own drivers. Now drivers can work for any of the delivery companies that they want. Although it's not all that in a bucket of chicken to be a driver. So Domino's Pizza reported U.S. Aim Source sales above analyst expectations. What I like about that is you think of pizzerias as a lot of mom and pops. It's an incredibly profitable business. A slice of pizza costs almost nothing to make, and you could sell it for 4 bucks, 5 bucks a slice. That's pretty amazing. A uh, large pepperoni may cost a buck twenty-five in ingredients, buck thirty. If you get into like the Supremes and stuff like that, maybe a little bit more, but not much. So Domino's offered half off on menu price pizzas for online orders during Cyber Monday week. They've done really well at marketing. Again, I want you to invest in things that you can understand. For the record, during a ten-year period on the stock market, Domino's Pizza was the best performing stock on the S P five hundred. Because people in good economies like cheap food, people in bad economies like cheap food. Is it recession-proof? It kind of is. So the broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Morgan Stanley's buying E-Trade for $13 billion. In the late 1990s, I saw the rise of companies like E-Trade. They were electronic trading. That kind of simple. And Wall Street got kind of excited. We're going to bring electronic investing so that you don't need a stockbroker. He doesn't need to call you. You can come up with an idea like, hey, Microsoft is coming out with a new version of Windows. I'm going to go buy a stock. And you can do it all by yourself. And there was a computer program that lets you put in buy orders and sell orders. And it was very grown up. They kind of cut out the broker. The company kept the commission. It automated everything. I'm not saying E-Trade was the cutting-edge technology, but they were the E. In the 1990s, when we were moving, you know, when businesses were disrupting, someone said, hey, I got this great idea. Let's compete with Goldman Sachs. Let's compete with Morgan Stanley. Let's compete with Bear Stearns, and we'll sell stocks, too, just like they do. But we'll call it E-Trade. So this is going to be interesting to see how that merger pulls off because TD Ameritrade was acquired by Charles Schwab. And there's just been this amazing push of, of zero commission trading. Um, it tells you there's a lot of money in the industry. It's a huge financial acquisition. When two companies look at each other and say, wow, we're going to put some value on you. E-Trade shares jumped 24%. So they got, Morgan Stanley said, we like you to the tune of you plus 24%. So some of the biggest deals ever in finance, uh, most of them you probably don't know, like Hatter's Financial and Annalee Capital. That was a $12.6 billion deal. That's number 10 on the list. T 
TD Ameritrade and Charles Schwab is number one on the list with $28.2 billion. Chubb Group and Ace Limited, $28 billion. Um, this is a pretty big one. When you see big banks and big brokerages and big insurance companies go after each other, it's sometimes just as simple as client acquisition, account acquisition, assets under management acquisition. Markets lower today. Dow falls 150 points, S&P 500 and NASDAQ all are pulling back from record highs. And that's kind of the, the there's a big worry out there. What's happening with the coronavirus? What's happening with the stock market? Why aren't we hitting new highs? We actually just did. In the relative lifespan of your investments, we just did last week. But, but, but why aren't we doing it today? Yep, so that's out there. Morgan Stanley has been stalking E-Trade for years, they say. It's kind of interesting. Um, the American shopper is always kind of in the targets of what's happening on Wall Street. In large part because they drive the economy. Sometimes we'll say, let's take a look at the millennials. Um, but the people who drive the economy, the shoppers... That's why we pay attention to companies like Target. Stock market trades are mixed and a little changed, um, but maybe we have a bit of a bias to the negative, bias to the downside. Um, what we're seeing there is maybe a tired market, or is it a market that says, you know, this coronavirus still hasn't cleared up, or maybe we're a market that's moving out of earning season and we're looking for the next catalyst. Will it be the shopper? Will it be the president? Who knows what the next big catalyst is going to be? And there's something that's also, it works hand-in-hand hand with the next big negative. What's the next big negative out there? What's the next big shoe to drop? Um, so there's a wall of worry on Wall Street that is always like, what's going to happen next? But there's also kind of like, what's our next big thing to look forward to? Ultimately, I don't say they cancel each other out, but you kind of got to know that it's okay. Oh, here's a company that's interesting and worthy of note talking about plug power. This was one of those companies that was all that in a bucket of chicken 15, 20 years ago. Plug power is down today, but their stock has been surging recently. It's a hydrogen engine maker. They announced a partnership to build zero emission commercial trucks. This press release has been out there before 15 years ago. Hydrogen's better than electric because the only byproduct is water or something along those lines. That was the marketing message of it. People got excited. We're not going to use gasoline anymore. We're going to use hydrogen. What's that mean? We didn't know. But Plug Power said it's partnering with lighting systems, which develop zero-emission drivetrains. To offer the first electric fuel cell powered Class 6 truck, which can weigh up to 12.5 tons, that are capable of supporting middle mile delivery logistics. Um, so that's a big press release. Wait for some revenue and earnings. So the lifespan of a stock, it, it, it's kind of something along the lines of um, that's a great idea. Hydrogen fuel cells. Driving cars. But then, okay, that's a great idea. You can invest and be early. Get a lot of upside, get a lot of downside. If you wait for the revenue, you, you limit the upside and the downside. If you wait for the earnings, you limit even more the upside and downside. 
But that's where caution sometimes is your best friend. Is you kind of wait to see the proof in the pudding. It still has years to go if there if it shows up. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, invested, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Um, be careful who you associate with. It's interesting. There's a big piece today on one of Jeffrey Epstein's people that he hung out with, friends, associates, and how he's leaving and selling limited brands. But his name's tied to this guy. Like, whoa. Um, some stuff comes back to haunt you in funny ways in America, does it not? Uh, speaking of coming back to haunt you in funny ways, I think baseball messed up their whole punishment of the Houston Astros. I think Wall Street messes up their punishment at times. People get away with cheating. They're pretty well rewarded. Bernie Madoff didn't really get punished terribly for ripping off people and living a lavish fake lifestyle for 30 plus years. He went to a pretty easy prison. It's easy for me to say. But house arrest kind of scenarios aren't punishment. So when baseball had a chance to stop the cheaters, the Houston Astros, and take away their World Series title, they could have and should have. They would have sent the right message. Instead, they didn't, and now they have a big marketing mess on their hands. But listen to this. Little leagues around the country, from California to Pennsylvania, have started the movement to ban the Astros name from youth teams. That's just harsh. I don't know if I agree with that one. From Long Beach to Fullerton. Um, you can't use the Astros nickname on your little kid's baseball team. That just seems silly, but you know, it's short for astronauts. It's not short for cheaters. I don't get it. Markets are lower today. Um, and it's kind of nice to see, um, there's nothing happening in the market that says we should be higher. There's no great earnings news. There's no, you know, nothing at the debate last night where a candidate said, you know, we're going to put a trillion dollars into infrastructure in the United States and the crowd roars. We're going to put a trillion dollars into uh, 5G and the crowd roars. What I heard a lot last night was we're going to move money around. And there wasn't a lot of roaring per se. So Wall Street's not doing anything today and it's kind of okay. We can't have market-driven stories every day, and that's where this show gets a little bit on the difficult side, and that's why I have to prep for talking about insurance. I got an email from a woman today saying, hey, can you send me a referral for long-term care? And I can, for sure. But on top of that, I would say a lot of times with insurance, you want to find a, a package with someone that you already work with, but you want to shop it around, too, and you want to find out what you get. Long-term care insurance is the type of insurance you can compare. Term life insurance, not so much. I'm interested in why someone would want long-term care, because it's not something that's happy. It's not something that's fun to talk about. Long-term care is like my mother. She was fine when she was 60. 
But early on in her 60s, she had not one stroke, but two strokes. Now, fortunately, it didn't affect her walking, maybe a little bit, but that could be old age, too. It didn't affect her talking. She can still talk, but it did affect her memory. As she's gotten older, she can't walk as well. She can't control her bladder as well. So sometimes she will mess her clothing. So we've moved her into, we we did assisted living for a while where someone would come to her home and, you know, help her with her pills and help her with her cleaning and help her with her meals. Um, Then that got to be too much. And, you know, she needed 24-hour care. At that point in time, it's a family member that can move in or it's a insurance policy, hopefully, that you get sometimes at the age of 45 to 55. That tends to be when it's the best for you, where you're not going to be paying too much for too long. Uh, you're, it's kind of the right time. So my dad worked essentially till the day he died. So I may not need long-term care. My mom has needed long-term care. I have a spouse who's younger than me, and her parents are both quite healthy. So she probably doesn't need long-term care, or I don't need long-term care because she could be my long-term care. But then what happens when she hits like 88, 90 in those last few years where her kids are off with their families on their own, don't want to live with mom, and the assistant living's not working as well? So you're thinking, you know, long-term care. That can run you a good hundred to $100,000 a year. Um, there's cheaper variants of it, depending on what state you're in and what level of care. But it's not cheap. So a woman asked me for a referral. I'll gladly get her a referral later this week. And I think she should shop it around. She should use some of the examples that I kind of set up there. Does she have a spouse that could take care of her? Does she have a sister she's going to live with? One of my neighbors is two sisters living together, Um, and they're still kind of taking care of each other on a lot of levels. Or is it a a situation like my mother, where after my father passed, my mother didn't really have friends or a sister, so she had to go into long-term care, and long-term care is not cheap. It's not like they're going to give you a policy that pays you $100,000 a year that you're likely going to use for nothing. So... Just keep that in mind. That's one of the. That's probably the trickier insurance to buy. Term life, that's easy. Whole life, stupid. Variable life, stupid. Those are just high commission products that the insurance industry has come up with to separate you from your money, and they use the devastating news of your death and the effects it would have on your family to kind of like sex that up, sex it up a little bit with sex appeal. I don't know if you're super wealthy and you want to leave money to like your college or your library, a whole life policy can make sense because what you're doing at that point in time is you're saying, well, I'm going to give 4 million to my local library, but I also want to give 4 million to my relatives. So you're basically having the library buy a $4 million policy on you. That money goes to your, your relatives, the life insurance, and your money goes to the library upon your passing. That's a very brutal, quick example but I'm not a big fan of whole life, except for in wealthy scenarios where you're doing estate planning, tax management. 
Variable life is just the devil to me. I can't find a case for it ever. You get some investment returns without the risk of down markets. You get this life insurance component. Well, you're paying for the insurance because insurance companies have to make money, right? They're not just saying everyone who dies gets a million dollars. They're, they're figuring out a lot of people aren't going to die and collect that million dollars. <throat> then you're getting the investment product, which costs money <clears throat> in variable life insurance. So you get a little bit of life insurance. You get a little bit of stock market. The better way to do it is by term life. It's the cheapest. It's based on your age. It's based on your weight, based on a physical. They know exactly when you're going to die. There's that much science in, our, in, in insurance. They don't know exactly when you're going to die because there's car crashes. There's other things that will happen, but they know the percentage of car crashes a year. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. So I'm not a big fan of term life. I'm not, no, 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 I'm not a big fan of variable life. I'm a big fan of term life because it's the lowest cost insurance. And then you can invest the rest in a low-cost index fund or a low-cost ETF. You don't have to go out and have an insurance company be your investment company, an insurance company be your insurance company. Like You don't need to insure your investments because markets hit high 7 out of 10 years. Yes, there will be a period of time where they don't. Historically, three years is what you can count on for a worst-case scenario. Now, there's going to be a period where it's five. There will maybe be a period of 10 years of no returns. I don't know. I have to assume that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. General Mills wants to pay $13 for cereal. $13 for a box of cereal. Man, <laughs> 25 years ago, I knew young people who were like, I'm going to you know, I'm gonna buy cereal for dinner because it's like the cheapest meal I can get. General Mills said that the company plans to boost sales by offering a ready-to-eat breakfast meal complete with real maple berries, dried cherries, and almonds. It's going to cost 13 bucks a box for what's called Morning Summit. Now, that's a pretty good name. Because morning, it's going to get you on top of the mountain. You're going to be like, it's it's pretty good. General Mills is calling this a strategy of compelling innovation and health benefits by going super healthy in a box of cereal. The average box of cereal in the United States is $3.27. Walmart is selling a 38-ounce box of Morning Summit for $26. On Amazon, that same cereal will cost you twenty four ninety seven. So millennials are driving the breakfast category on a lot of levels, right? They've been accused in the past of killing off breakfast cereals as they shift towards more nutrition like avocado toasts. 40% of millennials surveyed said cereal was an inconvenient breakfast option because they had to clean up after eating it. <laughs> A bowl of cereal is an inconvenient cleaning option. General Mills has said also doubling down on sugary breakfast cereals. So it's not just the healthy issues. They're, they're saying, we got you covered if you're a health nut with a $26 bottle of cereal, box of cereal. But they also launched a Hershey Kisses flavored Tricks Trolls inspired cereal in recent months. So they got you on the sugar. They also got you on the healthy side. See how uh, marketing works? You can find me online at robblackshow.com. 
Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome in. Rob Black your money. I'm Rob Black. A bit of a down day, to say the least. And it started off weak, and it's gotten weaker. Coronavirus developments, corporate earnings, that's our focus right now. Losses in all three indexes um, kind of shows that it's widespread. It's not Friday. Fridays, we've been going into the markets and uh, going to the weekends a little bit on the weak side because, like, what's going to happen with this coronavirus issue? Losses today in the Dow are being led by healthcare stocks, including Pfizer and United Health. You could probably say Sanders had a good debate. And maybe you could say that's going to be our focus right there. I don't think that's it. Private equity firm Sycamore Partners is going to take a controlling stake in Victoria's Secret from parent company L Brands. Victoria's Secret has not aged well with the millennials. I guess you could say Generation X was all about kind of glamour and glitz. Millennials are maybe a little bit more functional in form. And Victoria's Secret doesn't really fit into a world without a lot of glamour and glitz and overpriced bras. So L Brand's shares sank 11% on the news, likely due to the valuation was lower than expected for Victoria's Secret. Um, again, sometimes companies don't change with the times. And as an investor, you have to kind of, kind of almost be aware of that. Norwegian Cruise Lines, ticker symbol NCLH. Anytime there's a flu breakout like the coronavirus, I always instantly go, ooh, I wouldn't want to be on a cruise. And that's exactly what Norwegian Cruise Line is telling us. They topped expectations, but they said the ongoing coronavirus outbreak will take a bite out of the bottom line. They've modified their Asia voyages across their three brands. So they're kind of managing on the fly. I think hoping that it doesn't get worse is probably a fair thing to say. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Morgan Stanley buying E-Trade. More consolidation coming in the financial sector. I think there is a, a, I want to say property grab, if that makes sense. An asset grab, a pie grab, a client grab in the world of finance. So I, I think every bank that has accounts could be acquired. I think every brokerage company that has, I think everything's in play is what I'm trying to say. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The cyber truck from Tesla is piling up orders. They've cruised to 500,000 orders. In the first hour, I talked a little bit about what's interesting about that is Tesla's only requiring a $100 down payment. That's not a lot. For the avant-garde cyberpunk truck. So quickly it racked up 200,000 orders, but now it's up to 500,000. Again, with and showing you how times have changed, for the Tesla Roadster, they wanted a $50,000 deposit. So they really want to eat a pony up in order to get something exclusive. For the truck, they're just saying $100. Times have changed. They're better funded now, but 
I think that tells us something too. So the truck catalog category is huge in automotives. If you drive down your street today, you'll say, man, the, the roads are too small. It's not that the roads are too small. It's that the vehicles have gotten bigger since the roads were built. America loves their trucks. Ford sells 900,000 F-Series trucks each year. I, I don't own any Ford, but I, there would be no reason to own Ford if they were to say they're getting out of the truck business. Or they're to spin off the truck business, I'd, I'd follow that. That's how popular Ford trucks are. Um, Tesla has had a massive, massive rally this year. Cybertruck looks like it's going to sell well. And that'll be kind of a trick up their sleeve. Uh, they'll start rolling those out. And having 500,000 orders is a lot to work with. How many will they actually sell? Who knows? Americans love crossovers, though. And it seems to be like a right-sized vehicle. Um, Nissan Rogue sells 300,000-400,000 units every year in the United States. It's a crossover. Um, so this the Model Y is going to become Tesla's best-selling model ever as a crossover. Uh, so they're kind of up and growing quite nicely. NVIDIA is in the news today. A skeptic on the stock has upgraded the expectations in the earnings thoughts and just the way of thinking about it. What's interesting to note about that is upgrades, you really shouldn't put a lot of value in. You should pay attention to them, but don't put a lot of value in it. Um, because you don't know that person and you don't know if they're good at what they do. If after a while, you like, I really think Gene Munster is a great thinker on technology. So anytime he talks about a company like an Apple, I'll, I'll pay attention. But if he were to give a price target on it, I'm like, eh, not so much. But if he can help you with the big picture issues. So this analyst at Bernstein, Stacey Rasgong, she said the stock NVIDIA has almost come back to peak levels, prior peak levels is what I wanted to say. And we're now more constructive sooner than we thought we were going to be. We made a mistake. We think they can resume hyperscale, which is cloud computing spending. And they see some potential catalysts. They see good forthcoming product cycles. NVIDIA's next generation of graphics technologies, codenamed Ampere, Ampere, should do better than the current Turing-based models. But they think the stock is rich, but they're upgrading it as well. It's an interesting upgrade because it kind of admits some flaws in the past. And uh, says we were wrong. You can find me online at robblackshow.com.